Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast now selling Anthony Seabold branded razor blades. I'm your host, Damon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the hot topics in the wonderful world of rugby league, including possible merger ideas, the latest on Kieran Foran's contract drama, SBW's NRL return preparation, the Broncos' wooden spoon commitment, and a whole bunch more. But first, I am joined in the notorious Media Watch Mario Studios, by the only man who is so anti-Souths, he once bought up a huge chunk of land in Alexandria just so he could turn it into a massive pig manure factory. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Good to be here, mate. And uh, might I just say that um, nobody noticed that I turned it into a pig manure factory. Just, yeah. It just blended right in with the surroundings. It's a bit of a shithole anyway, isn't it, Alexandria? <laughs> it's always under fucking construction whenever I'm there. Permanently. I think it's just home to lollipop men. The pig, manure actually, the pig manure factory actually looked better than all of those bungalows that they're building out there. Where did you get all the pig shit from, by the way? Was it between Ray Hadley's ears or...? No, Russell Crowe's place. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. of course. Because um, I think a lot of that is piled up alongside all of those B-grade scripts. Here's a little thing I will say about Russell Crowe. We give him a lot of shit here, sometimes pig shit, on the show. But he's actually a genuinely good thespian, I'd argue, Xander. Do you agree with that? No, no, I think he's an overrated thespian. Okay. Don't like his movies, they're all shit. I think that uh, Gladiator is an overrated mess. Very, yeah. very historically inaccurate. Cinderella Man, he apparently filmed his training regime and showed it to Souths um, oh, to, try and, to try and fire them up ahead of a final series. That hurts, doesn't look, it? Look at me training for a movie before you go out into battle against 112 kilo Bahamas. I love it. Well, <clears> look, judging <throat> by the way, um, half of their forwards play, I think he's shown them the movie Proof, uh, with a very blind Hugo Weaving. I think that the way their handling has been, that's a very obscure Australian film joke, but I threw that in anyway. Now, we should mention we are recording on Sunday, August the 2nd. That's only one day, Xander, after the horse's birthday. So many happy returns to all of the equine brothers and sisters out there, especially you, Camilla Parker-Bowles. I hope this day brings you a banquet of hay and toffee apples, you long-faced snob. Now, before we dummy to nobody and get absolutely smashed by Francis Melly, you can just remind you, you can follow The Voluntary Tackle on all of the socials via the handle at Voluntary Tackle. You can also follow Xander Risotto on Twitter on the handle at Xander underscore TVT. Now, it's also Indigenous Round this week, mate. Um, always a great time of year. The jerseys are always a favourite part of the celebration for me, with one possible exception this year. How have you seen it? As always, there's, there's a kind of... Um a spectrum of them, right? Where mm. you see some are really good. I think um, for me, I thought the Cowboys one was the best. Um, There's some fantastic yeah, ones. Some um, some really good designs. Yeah. Um, I thought the Panthers one was probably a little bit lighter on, but I, I, I still liked what they did. It was it just kept a little bit closer to, to I guess, their original design. Yeah, I liked ours. I, I would like to see them do more with our V at some point. You know, I know mm. they like to keep the V intact, but I, I'd like them to incorporate that yeah to, to maybe at least you know convert that to some sort of aboriginal art i thought I actually thought the storm one was really good mm. but, but let's get to the one here <laughs> that all of australia is now looking at as potentially being not the best effort and it's the green machine canberra raiders which looks unusually normal or as per program if you're not looking closely well how did you see that yeah well again i you know it was one of those ones where um you know like when they do retro round and you see some teams because their jersey hasn't really changed in a hundred years, you just mm. don't really notice what they're doing for retro round. Yeah, um, it was a little like that. <laughs> you just kind of, you, they had to zoom in on the players to really work out what they'd done. Yeah, uh, because yeah, it was just the sleeves, and I think everyone kind of thought, oh, well, that's a bit average. But um, as we all know, um, even the players didn't really think it was that great with White and coming out 
being fairly um, open in his criticism of it, calling it lazy. Yeah, you've actually got a bit of a statement there from Jack because I think he's come out lambasting the design and then he's also apologised, I think, because I think the artist was a bit offended because she designed that sleeve to the best of her efforts. I think, honestly, I don't think the criticism was necessarily directed about the design, though. I think it was about the lack of prominence of Indigenous art on the jersey. Yeah, so what he said was he's very, very proud uh, but a little bit disappointed of how the club went about the uh, the jersey. He said he feels like they just ticked a box, uh, no one got any input. Is that normally how it works? Do they normally consult the players, the Indigenous players in the team? That well, would seem like a logical thing to do, I, I know that they do, obviously. I think most clubs do that. I remember I remember actually seeing an interview with Latrell Mitchell last year when they talked about the Roosters one and, and mm. how they you know brought him into that process. And I know that they did that at South this year with him and, and uh, Walker and the other Indigenous boys in, in the South squad for their design. So I think that's you know ideally what you want to do. You, there's a yeah. lot of Indigenous stars in the game. You want to incorporate them you know, given they all represent different nations, you know, you want to incorporate those identities. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, Whiten's the only the only um, uh, Indigenous player they have at the Raiders. Maybe they just didn't, maybe they didn't really think about it. I don't know. Maybe that's what they've done with the ratio yeah. of the jersey. They've gone, well, it's <laughs> only one Indigenous player out of a squad of 30, so we'll give you a 30th of the jersey. The uh, Batuta advocate had a fair... Uh, stab at this where they they said uh, the Raiders indigenous jersey criticised for placing more emphasis on Canberra's Chinese culture. Ah, this is a hint <laughs> at the Huawei branding, I yes, assume. It's, it's still front and centre. And you have to wonder if maybe that came into it. Maybe maybe the contract uh, with, with Huawei was, was such that hmm. you can't you can't do anything to take away from the, the Huawei logo on the front of the jersey. And it takes up more of the jersey than most sponsors. Maybe, logos. or maybe it had Indigenous art on it to begin with, but the jersey spent too much time near 5G networks, and it ended up being disintegrated. <laughs> the, the, the radio waves just uh, just just moved it out of the, the, the visible <laughs> spectrum somehow. But do you think Jack Whiten had a point here? Should he have had to apologise? Because he's apologised now, uh, because I think it was a bad look for the club. Uh, that he's offended the Indigenous artists who did the sleeves. In your opinion, do you think that that was the right thing to do or was he completely justified in having a go and calling it lazy? I think he, he was justified and I think he should have apologised, we'll put it that way, for the, for the simple fact that, you know, he, he was... Um, he, he came across as if he was really having a crack at the artist and he didn't mean to do that. So I thought mm. that his, his apology was, was a clarification more than a straight-out apology. He, he says he stands by his position and that he doesn't want to direct any any criticism at the artist because we don't really know the design process. The artist could have designed this to take over the whole jersey and, and for it to be front and center. Yeah, but and it they could just have been Ricky Stewart. He said, "Yeah, just, just, just whack that just on, put the, it on the sleeves." Yeah, or yeah. even better yet, uh, mm. on the little tab that says uh, "Only wash in warm water." Put the indigenous <laughs> thing there, so we've got the Canberra Huawei branding. Could have been Ricky. I'm not impugning Ricky here, by the way. I'm sure he's not racist. But look, you know, on the Indigenous round, it's a lot of uh, positive stuff out there, Xander. Uh, it was a great article, actually, from Jake Duke. I'm not sure if you saw that one. Um, he wrote for Nine News this week about how the Indigenous concept has sort of evolved over time and the sort of the meaning has become a little bit deeper, a little bit less token than maybe it might have been four or five years ago. And I think testament to that has been... There's been a lot more storytelling, I guess, this year that I've noticed from the likes of Latrell and JT, uh, the Fox. They're all sort of telling their own stories about what how what culture means to them and how it gets pushed through the prism of the sport. I think that's been pretty positive. How have you seen that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're right. It feels as if it's um, it's definitely uh, more significant, probably you know, on the back of all of the uh, the political um, activity around the world with Black Lives Matter and everything, it's it's taken an additional level of prominence. Mm. And I, I think they've handled it really well. I actually think this is one of those things that the NRL, even from the get-go when they when they first introduced this concept, and you've got the Indigenous All-Stars as well, they, they probably, I think they honour the Indigenous stars of the sport better than any other code in the country. Mm. Well, the AFL do a good job, especially with Adam Goulds. <laughs> yeah, the AFL... Do you remember they, when he dared got, to do got, an Indigenous dance in Indigenous round and he, everyone went ape shit? That was funny. The problem with the AFL is that they've got too many rusted on fucking neo-Nazis in that sport, mm. um, like Sam Big Newman. shout out to Eddie McGuire. <laughs> you know, like, who just... It just it just bristle at the idea of anyone. Like I mean, you know, I remember seeing some AFL dickhead uh, complain that well, you know, what? A, why don't we have a round that celebrates us, like you know, a, a white Australian culture? And you're like, that's every week, you dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like they just don't get it. And also, I'm I'm a little bit 
puzzled as to what that would look like. Would yeah. it be just like thirteen guys dressed as Ned Kelly? I mean, I mean, is it Bush <laughs> yeah. Rangers? Like, what are they, we doing? They, they forget that we're the dominant culture. Like all the jerseys that we have normally designed, that is our culture. By, yeah. by have you seen the Canberra Raiders <laughs> yeah, jersey? No, just like, you, but you know, I mean, there, there are always going to be people who miss the point like that. But but luckily, you know, apart from outlier mentally retarded morons like Mark Latham and Eddie McGuire big uh, shout out to Eddie McGuire you know, in the NRL we don't have we don't have too many of those and people mm. people get it I think better mate do you think we'll ever have an island round from, uh, just to commemorate Polynesian people from round Ar- no people do, from Ireland uh, from, uh, from, from the Republic of Ireland yeah that place yeah. do you think we'll ever have a round dedicated purely to them why <laughs> we're just like <laughs> the, uh, is there a massive stock of, of, of people of Irish descent that I'm not aware of? Well, well, it's not I mean, really. Is it, is it for Adam O'Brien? It's to, <laughs> you know, I don't we know. D- dedicate the, the whole round to former Newcastle winger Brian Carney. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty good. We could build, you know, nonsensical inventions like the flammable fire extinguisher or the, 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 the igloo with the four-piece corner couch, you know, and just say, we love you, Ireland and... Brian, I, as somebody with Irish descent, I take exception to that. I think you're missing the point of Black Lives Matter. I probably am, yeah, mate. Even though Irish people are as white as they get, <laughs> yeah, they're extremely white. Unless you're Colin Farrell. Well, yeah, yeah there, there, there are two. There, there is a concept of known as Black Irish. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, the, the, the voluntary tackle always breaks new ground. Black Irish didn't think that was a phrase that was going to come up on today's show. <laughs> Here's my final idea: Willie Peters round. We can just celebrate a completely average bloke. Everybody could just drink tinnies and throw passes to no one. Mate, we're going to push on into the show and we're going to uh, start the program by chatting about Australia's most high-profile masochists. That's right, we're talking about the Brisbane Broncos. They probably played their best game on Friday night, Xander, but still managed to lose to a Sharks team that was so devoid of first-grade talent, they debuted several players and pulled the Hammerhead Shark mascot into the top 17. Thankfully, a poo-laden Scott Morrison filled in as the mascot on the night. Big shout-out to ScoMo, who was in the Engadine Maccas as it happens. The question we're asking on the show today is, have the Broncos forgotten how to win Xander? There's a lack of maturity in that side. They don't have, they don't have a lot of older players who mm. can really steady the ship for them. And the old players they have <clears throat> are shit. Big shout out yeah. to Darius Boyd. Big shout out to Benteo. Yeah, they don't, they, they obviously, they don't have um, that, that reservoir of senior players that they can draw on mm. um, who will help them when, when the going gets tough at the back end of a close game. But, you know, he, Seabold got rid of a lot of those guys. He did. That was yeah. the problem, right? That's right. So who was it they, they let go? Um, McCulloch. Yeah, they, McCulloch they pissed to, off. to the Tigers. He went to the Knights, actually, didn't he? Oh, that's right. He yeah, did too, yeah. before yeah. getting a season-ending yeah. injury. Yeah, they had two of them last week. That's right. McCulloch yes. and... Um, so they pushed yeah. out a whole bunch of players over the last, you know, 12 months. And you're right. Now they're left with sort of baby Broncos who can't mm. handle it when the going gets tough. And it sort of got it definitely showed in that last game against the Sharks because they were finally leading, playing. By the way, pretty good standard match. Mm. I thought I didn't have high expectations for this match. It was entertaining as hell. Yeah, entertaining. I thought yeah. the Sharks played yeah. quite well as well, but they scored three tries in the last ten minutes. Yeah. Granola. I mean, that's they, they were cracking side. tries though. Like that Great first tries. one down the sideline with a kickback, and you know. But when you're that desperate for a victory, you'd think Brisbane yeah. would hold you out for 10 minutes and not leak three tries. You'd think so, but um, <laughs> but no. Right Is it now. a mentality thing, though? Do you oh, think yeah, because of, of the pressure and the fact that the team has performed so poorly this year that even in games where they mm. finally conjure up a good energy and they play well, they execute... That they still managed to, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, you could see it in their body language in defence. When they conceded that first try, they started really freaking out. Like that was just a brilliant piece of football. Yeah, right. True. Um, and then when it got within ten points, they seemed terrified of making a mistake. So yeah, much they, so they were visibly yeah. shaking. <clears throat> yeah, so so much so that they were backing off and giving the Sharks more space mm. because they didn't want to concede a line break. And they ended up basically just giving them so much space that they just let them march down the field. That's right. They were running 80-metre sets. So they, they just, you know, and I remember seeing the Raiders do this a couple of years ago when they were losing those, you know, the, the, the famous Canberra faders where they were losing games in the last two minutes yeah. of games like every, every every other week. I love that year. That was fun. <laughs> and, um, but, but, you know... You, I love those Ricky <clears throat> Stewart presses after oh, too. He was, he was so fuming. Like he was 4% more like, angry than the previous week. Like they they were brilliant for, for 78 minutes of each game and then they would somehow lose it. The, the Warriors game down in Canberra was still my favourite where they conceded two tries in two minutes and lost the game by Amazing. two points. But anyway, um, but that was the same sort of thing where you see them, you see a team who don't know how to respond when 
the pressure is put back on them, and mm. and it's and it's a, the, the championship minutes. They should really be rallying, and they need it. They need an old head to get them calm, but then focused on on putting on as much pressure as possible and ensuring that they, you know, they don't. They, first of all, they don't give their opponents space, but they also um, ensure that they they have. Uh, intensity in what they're doing, and they don't do that. Well, it's interesting you say they need an old head because also in the last week, Anthony Seabold confirmed that they are interested in securing the signature of one Cameron Smith to do a final one-year swan song for that very uh, notion that you just put forward, Xander, that uh, he wanted someone who would be a real change agent in terms of the culture at the club. Now, to me, it seems unlikely that that will happen, but just this play... The thought experiment here, if they did manage to snag the signature of Cameron Smith, would that be a good move for the club and would it be successful? It would be it would be monumental for them. Mm. Like absolutely. I mean he, he 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 won't be able to go in and fix the mess that they're in completely, but if he was to go in there and stay there, yeah. Um, and sort of come on, because he's the kind of guy, as much as I dislike him, he's he's clearly a very bright footballing like you know player he, you know he's got a very good football brain yeah he, he would he would come in and he would help the coaching get better as well yeah like the would, same would way it be like Cooper... Cameron Smith coaching Seabolt <laughs> yes, wouldn't ex- it probably if he were to go there yeah he would he would do what Kronk did for us you know he mm. would give this the the team maturity in those championship minutes and he would steady their game management um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be in those positions. They would. They would finish their sets better because he's he's another kicking option. He's actually got quite a good kicking game. Yeah. And then when they when they go into the culture stuff, you know, sort of between the rounds, he would improve the quality of the training, improve the quality um, of the efforts of other players. Yeah. And just up the professionalism across the board. He'd be he'd be a huge signing for them. And a big thing about Cameron Smith as well is I believe he actually has a fairly significant influence over selection. Uh, yeah. down in Melbourne. I think he and Craig sort of talk about that together. I would imagine if you went to Brisbane in 2021, the first thing he'd say is, look, Anthony, the fuck's Darius Boyd still doing <laughs> here? Well, um, that, that's, that is, that's a fair point, right? Like, they they have gotten rid of... You know, Smith gets uh, attitude in the same way that Bellamy does. They pick players They pick players who, who have, like, the right character that they're after there. Yeah, the culture fit. Yeah, which was why it was always funny. I remember you, you made the comment, uh, last year, when they left, when they let go of Brody Croft, you said, you know, you wondered if there was a whale in the bay on that one because mm. it's unusual for them to just happily let go what seemed to be a promising half. And, yeah. and since he's come to Brisbane, we've kind of seen he does lack that mental toughness, doesn't he? He certainly does, you know? especially when he started crying in the first twenty minutes last week, <laughs> bawling his eyes out. I felt like someone had stolen his lunchbox. It was fucking weird. Yeah. Um, oh. So you're right. That's probably not a great sign from a first grade footballer. Although, show your emotions, guys. It's 2020. Let it all hang loose, I say. Uh, but Xander, I have, a, I have an interesting question for you about Br- uh, Brisbane here. Is it more disheartening to lose a game like they did against Cronulla, where they actually played well, than to lose and get thumped like they have been? In a weird way, is it actually more demoralising? You know what? I I don't I actually don't think it is. Yeah. I think I think um, for the fans it's painful, mm. uh, for the club it's it's extremely frustrating. But at least they were in that game. It, yeah. it shows that they're getting closer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean they were, they're playing the Sharks. Have been you know to be fair the Sharks keep bloody winning games. They're what fifth now or something, right? Yeah, it's, uh, amazingly. I mean, I keep waiting for them to fall over, but they're now I think have they won four on the trot? Yeah, they have. Those. Sorry, they're six behind Canberra. I mean, yeah. that's a hell of an effort for a team that most people, including myself, had completely written off as uh, no chance of being a finals contender. They keep turning up and surprising people. And mm. I have to say, they walked into that game with two debutantes, mm. a very inexperienced team. They played some amazing razzle-dazzle footy, the Sharks. Yeah, they did. And, you know, <laughs> maybe John Morris is better than people think. Yeah, I, I like him as a coach, actually, John Morris. He, mm. You know, is it the chiselled jawline? <laughs> no, I mean, I actually think um, I, I think his presses. He always sounds like somebody who who um, does have a uh, he, he does have a strong idea of how he wants his team to play. Yeah, you know, like he he doesn't come up. He he doesn't uh, offer too many excuses when they lose and they haven't played well. Do you know who he reminds me of every time I see him in a media conference? Mm. A really attentive personal trainer. <laughs> He's got. The, he just embodies that entire. He does. Persona. He does. He does. He does look chiselled you're right yeah i'm expecting him to give danny wildler a good eating plan you know when he's in those presses anyway that's just my impression but yeah john morris i think he's a fair coach yeah no and 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 uh sean johnson you know we often say it about him he 
he he can he can definitely attack. He's got some mm. he's got some real razzle dazzle in him in particular. I mean, you have to hand it to him. He's he's definitely rolled into a purple patch by Johnson's standards. And he's if you look at his tricis column, um, it's off the charts. I still he's still not running much, but mm. it's still I guess he's playing a role and it's working for them. Yeah, his tricis, his passing's been you know bang on. Like and yeah, young halfback who came in, Connor Tracy. Yeah. yeah he played right. really well. If I was Chad Townsend, I'd be a little bit worried <laughs> because I'm like, thanks, Chad. Um, I'm going to just re-aggravate that hamstring on purpose because I think we'll just roll with Connor for a few more weeks. If he's not there, I don't know if they make that comeback. Now, as we know, Xander, uh, the Broncos, if they end up with the wooden spoon, uh, the players and staff are allowed to be publicly flogged, tarred and feathered in South Bank as per the directive of Senator Pauline Hanson. The bill was originally intended for black people, but thankfully there's been a revised version to apply just to Brisbane Broncos players. Surely they'll have to avoid that kind of fate, Xander. That's enough incentive alone. They don't want the wooden spoon. The Broncos have never had it, but we know they're one from the bottom. If the Bulldogs had won today and they were very close, Brisbane would have been coming flat last. Are they a chance for the spoon? They're definitely a chance for the spoon. They've, they've lost to pretty well everybody at this point, right? So... Yeah, they they lost to the uh, the over eighties women's auxiliary balloon core team, didn't so they earlier in the year? They've got a pretty rough next five games. So they've got Souths, the Raiders. They they have uh, St George, who you'd have to say St George are going to play, you know, going to uh, are in better form than them. Mm. Um, and then they play the Roosters and Penrith. They're they're definitely a chance at the spot. That's not the easiest run, yeah. is it? Especially those last two. The Bulldogs, who are below them, don't have the easiest run either. So they have. Uh, the Storm, the Tigers, um, the Warriors, the Raiders, and the Titans. But it's a slightly easier one, probably, mm. than than Broncos. So they're, they're a chance of coming last, you'd have to say. I actually think that they... I mean, at least their performance improved. But there's also a bunch of teams down the bottom whose performance is improving, mm. but the Bulldogs being one of them. So Bulldogs should have beaten um, the Eels today, the Eels today yeah. I thought. Like, they, I, I still can't believe... Um, was it Tolman who decided to just bolt... And, uh, do run. a quick tap. Yeah, do a Tolman quick tap. never bolts, mate. Let's be really clear about that. <laughs> I, think, he, I think it was Tolman. He gets up to a steady waltz. Yeah. Um, he can maybe canter, but he yeah. definitely never bolts. Yeah, look at look at the image. I've just got this up for you because it is just just hilarious. You can okay, just... It's a non-visual medium, the podcast. I, I you realise that. <laughs> I know. This is for your benefit. Okay, fair enough. But just, just have a look at the picture. It just tells you everything you need to know. Oh, wow. You yeah. can see them signalling to go the two. Exactly. <laughs> He's taken the quick tap. Do you know what I love about that? Um, Tolman is struggling to get the ball down to his feet... Because he's that he lacks that agility. He's not, yeah, he's not the most agile man. He's got lower back yeah. issues. Uh, I think he slipped a disc doing that quick tap. So not all things going the Bulldogs' way, but um, they definitely are improving. Xander, look to wrap up on this whole Brisbane Broncos saga. I will say this: there is a a very brief and small shining light for the Broncos, and that's Katoni Stags. I thought he's added a hell of a lot of energy, and uh, we've talked about this off mic. We th- he's definitely eligible for the Blues, isn't he? Because that's all. Every time I see him score, I just think, "You beauty, that's going to be great in a sky blue." So he could play for either. He's one of those ones that could ju- he just he could declare. jump cheek, like, like a Luke Keary. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, he he grew up in New South Wales until he was sixteen, I think. Then the, the Cowboys signed him on like a a developmental contract, and then he got a a, a proper contract with the Broncos. Mm. But he's declared. Mm. Just to be clear to our listeners. Tony Staggs has declared his uh, allegiance to the New South Wales Blues. That's correct. I mean, he wants to be on a winning wagon, doesn't he? I, I, I worry that we are falling, or at least when I say we, it's probably me, falling into the old chestnut trap here of Queensland look dead and buried. And, and if you look at the teams, I know we've won the last two, and it, it looks like the weight of talent is only going in one direction, which is south of the border at the moment. It's the opposite of COVID. But oh, are we being too cocky when it comes to Origin? I know it's a long way away, but for me, I, I'm, in my head, I'm going, really looking forward to this series because we should smash them. Well, I mean, Queensland is still going to be competitive. They, they still have, they still have a, a, you know, a solid forward pack and they still have a decent spine, right? Um, when you think of it, you know, Munster and Cherry Evans are not a bad halves pairing. Yeah, Ponger yeah. at the back. And what, you've got Ben Hunt at nine? or No, it might be... Um, Young Harry Grant. Yeah, it's probably Harry Grant. At nine, they're really well served. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. That's a very good spine. So, so they've got it. They've got a very but good. But Dylan Napa at centre. I mean, that's yeah. got a backfire. On <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I think out wide. Um, Tim you know, Glasby on the wing. Yeah, Fuck that. We're we're definitely the Blues uh, at the moment. You you you'd have to say it's it's Kiri and Cleary six and seven, and 
Munster and DC are good, but Cleary just showed the other night he's just another level at, at seven at the moment. So those two, you know, it it, it perfectly balances the um the Blues uh, uh, attacking game because one thing that we lack at the Roosters is is a uh, a half with a really big boot. Mm. Cleary has a big boot, and yeah. then you've got you've got the instinctive kind of genius of of Kiri at six. Yeah, very different styles of player. Yeah, and then and then pace to burn out back. You know, yeah. you've got Tedesco at the back, and you you know we're likely to have Turbo's got to be on one wing. Um, so long as these hammies are there. Yeah, if he's if he's still if they're still all right, and if it's not him, you know, it's 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 uh, likely Ferguson who's still you know. Trialless, trialless, but he's still he's still playing bloody good footy. He's got as many tries this year as hair follicles on his head. <laughs> a big fat fucking duck egg. But, but you know, like you watch him play, like he, you know, he's he's still he's still a huge um, part of that team. Like he gets mm. them out of trouble like nothing else. Yeah, maybe he should push into the forwards. I mean, he's he's no, you know, like he's he's it's not. He's not trialless for the, the same reason Ryan Hall is trialless. We'll put it that way. Ooh, I've, t- I've already told you, never mention that fucking <laughs> name on this podcast again. I've, I've actually stopped and th- thought about it. Ryan Hall is definitely the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> we, we I watched, mean, let, let's we, not go into we, it. It's just going to hurt we, me, mate. We, I don't want to go into it now. I guess for our listeners, we watched him, you know, we went to a, a game for the first time this year um, to watch the Roosters play the Titans. And we... We sat there, and you know, one of the things about watching the game on TV is because of the focus on the ruck, you don't really get to, to really spend time looking at specific players and what they're doing in the background. But we, we watched Paul for, I think, all of the second half. Mm. I was actually obsessed with him. <laughs> I couldn't stop looking at how shit he was. And it was fascinating because, yeah, I mean, like, I, I thought he was the, I thought he was the, um, one of the trainers for a little while. <laughs> well, can I tell you this? <laughs> because he was just kind of waltzing around. I've never seen someone blowing a gasket just trying to get on side. Yeah. Like he wasn't yeah. running with the ball, he didn't go looking for it. Uh, and when he finally got thrown the ball, he dropped it. Do you think they did they actually do the surgery to fix his ACL? Has he still got it? Maybe they just went, mm, let's just tell him we have because yeah. uh, we can't afford he's it. He's playing like it's still injured. I think so. He's absolutely, he's, he's obese. <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're talking Sonny Bill Williams again, Zender, uh, because he's landed in Australia. He's now in quarantine. This is going to be a difficult one, mate, obviously. He hasn't been he hasn't played any footy for two months. He wasn't playing a very high standard for a few years. How do the Sydney Roosters get Sonny Bill Williams up to scratch when, at the moment, he's in a hotel with his family? How do you get him prepared for the rigours of the NRL? He's been out of training for a little while. He's probably going to have to um, spend a bit of time in... Uh you know, conditioning with the club, which I'm sure just given the systems that Robbo and the coaching staff have in place, they'll, they'll manage. They'll get him up to speed um, pretty quickly. Mm. And the way they want to use him, he's not going to be an 80-minute player. They've been explicit about that. Coming on for 20-minute bursts to just, you know, inject something into the side, mm. um, he'll be plenty fit to handle that. You know, he still, he still played footy this year, you know, for Toronto. It's not like he's... Can you call it footy? <laughs> for the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, he played tag. He played... Well, I mean, he, you know, like like I said on the show last week, he, he put in in those games. I mean, he was a, he, he had a few more handling errors than you'd like to see from Sonny. Mm. Um, that's because of all the maple syrup on the hands. Obviously, you yeah. know, that's, uh, that's slippery. That's that's law in Canada. All players of all sports have to have maple that's syrup. That's right, and on the genitals, yeah, which I've never understood. Apparently, it makes it taste better. Mm. Anyway, um, the, he, de- he did create a lot. He, he still put a lot of second phase play as i said last mm. week it's just that nobody was ever pushing up in support because so, so it just ended up turning the ball yeah, over because they weren't supporting because they didn't know the rules no well that's they're why canadians <laughs> they didn't fucking know what they were doing there they thought they were on a critique well tour. T- to be fair they're, they're not can- canadians they're, they're mostly just um off contract uh, retiring uh, super league and uh, nrl players i right? hate it when you throw facts yeah. in my stories fui fui moi moi was one of their early signings yeah i yeah. remember that yeah. yeah how many games did he play I played a couple of seasons with him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he just—you have to feel for because they they joined in what the 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 third tier of, of English rugby league, and that you know, Fui Fui was like what two hundred and forty kilos, and you and know, just retired from and, the eels, probably and two meters tall, running at you, just like oh yeah. fuck. That is actually, if you actually think about it, that's just an assault. Isn't it? That's a criminal <laughs> more, act. More or less, right? Like you know, that's just... like bowling over an old lady near the ATM machine and stealing her purse. They're defenceless against poor old... Basically, I mean, it was, it, was, it was the equivalent of that, I yeah, would say. Yeah, I agree. Now, mate, um, it must be said, Sonny Bill Williams is doing it pretty tough in quarantine. He's inside a fairly lavish three-bedroom Sydney apartment. How do you do extras in quarantine? Is it possible to do training inside the hotel room itself? I'm sure, um, as you said, it's a three-bedroom 
um, you know, plush uh, suite that he's got. Mm. Pretty sure it would fit a treadmill and a weight set. Yeah, that's right. So you've got to get the gym yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, he's probably just bench pressing the kids and his wife. I think that'd be a little ways. bit too light for him. Yeah, probably. Well, depends how far <laughs> he's throwing them. Probably probably need a few more family members for him to, to break a sweat. Yeah, get a few uncles in there. So they are getting a gym in there, but I don't know. Could Anything else he could do? What about supplements? Could they stock him up with any kind of extra supplements that might, uh, you know, juice him up and get him ready for round 16? You... you Referring to steroids or, or just vitamins? Um, well, we call them vitamins, but no, I'm definitely referring to anabolic steroids. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's Sunny's. Uh, I, I, I believe I believe if alcohol is verboten for Muslims, I'm pretty sure steroids would probably be considered uh, uh, verboten as well. Yeah, that no. probably makes sense. What if you got like ones that were halal? Yeah, I, I still I, I don't like know. the man shake. I think the man shake's pretty, halal, pretty. and that's definitely got fucking anabolic steroids in it because Doug swears by it. Mind um, you, in his playing days, Adam McDougall. I don't know if you've seen him lately. It doesn't look like he's on steroids. It looks a little bit more like uh, he's on um, mercury. You know, you ever see those old, like, nineteenth-century old-timey cures for things? You know, like, see Flanagan's arthritic curing tincture, and it includes, you know, it includes like mercury and isotope four six seven of, of uranium or something, and and just gives you cancer. But because they didn't have like a, <laughs> a drug administration of any sort anywhere in the world, they just could say whatever the fuck they want. I think you've brilliantly described the fucking man shake. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's got all that, a bit of bone broth, a bit of eye of newt, um, and a fuckload of whatever that mercury two one three seven is. All of those milk, all those those shake diets are, are basically. Um, you know, kind of fasting in disguise, but not actually properly fasting. It just mm. kind of makes you sick. Look, we have digressed a little bit. I'm going to get back to Sonny Bill Williams really briefly here because uh, James Tedesco came mm. out during the week, Xander, and said he's really looking forward to playing with SBW, uh, namely because he said when he met him once, he had such an aura about him that he went, I, I would love to have played with him, never thinking that he'd ever had mm. the opportunity. But here comes the opportunity. Here's a frightening combination for you. Teddy's come out and also said, I'm really looking forward to following him around the field, looking for those freaky offloads. How good's that as a potential combination? That's salivating stuff. Well, that, that's kind of why when people bag him out about his time at Toronto, you look at some of those games and uh, you know, I do watch a bit of Super League, like I said, and yeah, he, he's popping these balls, expecting people to be there. And the players are just kind of looking around like, oh, shit, we're supposed to be running all of that. <laughs> With the roosters. Up, eh? <laughs> Exactly. So many native Canadians on that side. Um, but yeah, like with the Roosters, you've got you've got Teddy always hunting for an offload. Mm. He's he's gonna get those balls and he's he's gonna make some some breaks without a doubt. Hundred percent. Um, there's also rumors this week, mate, that the Canterbury Bulldogs are targeting Sonny Bill Williams for a shot comeback to the NRL from next year, more than twelve years after he walked out on the club. Now that's a really interesting story because there was so much acrimony mm. when Sonny obviously left for rugby union. Uh, there were people burning effigies of Sonny Bill Williams at the time. Um, can you see this happening full circle? Like, you know, walking back to the club that he spurned all those years ago? You know, in a, in a way, I kind of hope he does, just because even even now on social uh, media, you, I've had people, like, blowing up deluxe about Sonny coming back because, oh, he's just in it for the money. He's got no honour because of the Bulldogs thing. It's just like, you know, it was... He was 23 hmm. and he'd signed a, a contract for, you know, I think he was pressured into it at the time. And there were a few, there's a few things behind the scenes that not a lot of people are aware of. And um, at yeah. gunpoint or <clears throat> what did the pressure take the form of? Yeah, I think they held his family hostage. Okay. But, um, but you know, like, I mean, he was, it was one of those things where I think he was quite put upon. He was very immature, mm. you know, in your early 20s. And it's a long time ago, though, isn't it? Is, it? It's a very What's like, the statute of limitations yeah. here on your anger? Yeah, it, it was 2008. It's just like, fuck. Jeez, yeah. I was a young man yeah. then. <laughs> a young, less cynical man. <laughs> um, and, you know. I didn't have a wrinkled penis. <laughs> Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> we all, those, we're, we're born with them that way, mate. You remember those maple syrup parties? <laughs> Burn that footage. But, 
yeah, like I, I just, I can't get over it. It still comes up and you're just like, fuck, mate, get over it. It's like people still going on about the Kennedy assassination. It's just, you know, I mean, come on, move on. Well, here's the thing. Will this be the ultimate healer for those people who have held on to that I grievance? I hope so. That, that is why I'm hoping it happens is finally, that will they shut the fuck up? About okay, so it's not about the healing. You just want them to shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, I just want them to say, oh, you know, like uh, there, I've had a few back and forth with people about this and you're just like, they're like, oh, you know, he's... Nobody's gonna like he'll only ever be known for walking out of um, of the Bulldogs. I'm like, pretty sure he's known mostly by most people around the world as a two time World Cup winning All Black. But yeah. hey, um, yeah, sure that Bulldogs thing really rates for most people. That's right. And at the Chloe Hotel, he's known for. Welcome back to the voluntary tackle. Now, Brad Fittler, Xander, sometimes heralded as a, a unique individual. Um, he has ideas that the the collective don't normally have. You know, he I think he was one of the first guys to campaign to have all those kind of electronics included in the state of origin jerseys, all kind of tracking devices in all the players' underwear. Really? I think he helped pioneer yeah. a lot of that stuff. Obviously, he has them walking uh, in the rolling around in the chlorophyll of the grass down at Coogee on the oval Bare there. Bare feet, yeah. And look, the results speak the for themselves. Earth. You know, two straight series wins. So he's obviously a trendsetter. But I feel like he may have gone a bridge too far this week's end uh, by proposing some pretty out there merger ideas. And now I'm going to throw this out to the listeners and let this marinate with you. Uh, he wants one team to be the St. George Illawarra Dragons and the Sharks, just one giant South team. And the other one he wants is the Panthers to merge with the West's Tigers. <clears throat> My first question to you here, Xander, is... Was Freddie completely off his chops when he suggested this? Because this is fucking absurd. Yeah, I, I can tell you now. I mean, it was interesting that he would say the Panthers and Tigers, um, given he's a you know like he, he he's a came, Panthers came man. through the the Panther system. I I prefer the idea of relocation over mergers. Mm. I think mergers are always a fraught exercise, and you know, like it worked out well for Norths. You remember them, ca- don't you? The ones in, that got ass raped by the Eagles. Big shout point. out, Mario. <laughs> case in point. Yeah, I, I'm still annoyed about the the Bears. I think they should still be around. I'm not so sure about the Eagles. Anyway, it's madness. I, I do. I don't. I think you're better off uh, incentivizing clubs to relocate than trying to strip their identities and and jam them to together in some artificial partnership. Well, let's play thought experiment because that's what we are about here on TVT. If we pushed ahead with one of these mergers, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Penrith and the West's Tigers, what would that identity look like? Give me some colours and mascots here. So, you know, I guess you'd, you'd probably have to just call them... Um, They're the, both big cats, you, that helps. You'd probably have to call them the Greater Western Sydney Cats. Like, okay, like, you know, like, like feral, feral street cats? You know, like, you know, you've got like the Geelong cats, you're not calling yeah. them lions or anything, you're just calling them... The cats. Know, cats. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it's the only thing I can think the of. The Greater Western Felines. Yeah, effectively. Let's get fucking really genus granular about this. But, you know, like, it, it, then it becomes some, something so fundamentally different. Like, you lose, you know, the, the Panthers have quite a, a rich identity in history, you know. And their own, like, the Penrith is quite a different region to um, yeah, Campbelltown. Leichhardt. Yeah, well, like Campbelltown and Leichhardt, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, even from a Western Sydney standpoint, they're, they're quite different identities. And I think they're also, I mean, when you look at them, they're both growth areas. Like, if, if mm. anything, I kind of... You know, would like to see the Tigers move more of their games out to Campbelltown, yeah, because um, those are big rugby league heartlands. Yeah, totally. Uh, both Penrith and that, and they're both areas that are that are growing in population. And you know, Sydney's got five million people. Australia had five million people when mm. rugby league sort of first became a professional sport in this country. Yeah. Um. So I don't actually see the need for for mergers in the same way that a lot of other people do which is why i keep like pushing this idea of actually just independently expanding yeah um i'm an expansionist myself yeah like i actually I'm like the adolf hitler of the nrl <laughs> i'm i want to invade other territories that's the second time we've invoked nazis on this episode it's always a good sign um but yeah i i much prefer the idea of independently expanding mm. to new regions which i mean you know obviously the uh, the the brisbane two bit got a bit of a boost this yeah. week for that but this isn't Freddie's point of view, mate. That's a, that you've put forward a very logical point of view. Brad Fittler comes from a completely different trajectory. Now, I want to get your take he on the... He comes from a 1990 Super League trajectory. Which <laughs> Pretty is... much. St. George Illawarra and the Sharks. How would that look in terms of branding? 
Yeah. What, How do you what, merge a dragon and a shark? What, you go, you're going with sky blue. I mean, they, they kind of then look like an off-brand rooster's ripoff because you've got sky blue, red, and white, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, Could it be a, a dragon but just had a really good... I don't know, freestyle swimming stroke or something. I mean, how do you do that? How do you create the emblem? Maybe it's a seahorse. Maybe it's a dragon with a hint of thorpey. You know, maybe it needs a little bit of that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it just doesn't make sense. I mean, what's traditionally happened, though, in, in these mergers is that one uh, moniker gets subsumed. Mm. You know, the magpies don't... They, they get the odd nod on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the Steelers got fucked the, over too. The Steelers... Yeah, are, the stronger of the two you know, now. They had, they had uh, stripy socks in to, to honour them. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that was it. They <laughs> had the Canberra Raiders sleeves uh, to yeah. honour them. That's all they had. Um, here's another little weird quirk in this, and it can't be missed. Both of these ideas involve merging teams that have already merged, Xander. Is it possible to merge twice? Mm. I mean, what happens to the Steelers... When they've already lost their identity with the dragons, and then they get folded into the fucking sharks, I feel like Freddy's gone too far here. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like suggesting um, South's merge with the Roosters. I mean, you, you you're not going to bring together a uh, let's two... bring the Croats and the Serbians together <laughs> yes. to live in constant harmony. Yeah, you, I mean, the, the, these are cross town rivals. You know, you you're going to piss off. You're going to alienate. You're probably going to destroy both support bases in mm. one foul swoop. Well, I wouldn't like to be at that HQ. I can tell you that. It'd be a fucking you, Black Lives Matter protest. You would, you would be better off, um, uh, you know, fundamentally, you would be better off scrapping all the Sydney teams. Mm. Oh, here we go. This sounds Freddy-esque. Like, like, this is... This, honestly, to me, I would... Like, if I were a fan of one of those clubs, I would be more comfortable with them just wiping out every Sydney team and just splitting us up into four new identities, east, west, north, north and south. And... Jeez, that really is reinventing the wheel. You know what I mean, though, right? Like, I mean, it, it would be... It would be more palatable for, for me as a Roosters fan to just have a new team altogether than have to merge with Souths. Oh, okay. If, you, if you're presenting Putting that scenario, that yeah. of course, you, we can't merge with the enemy. That's, that would be silly. So we would have an eastern, eastern side that would be take into account basically Balmain, for example, like uh, the old Bears territory because they're a coastal part of the north, and then you would have the northern part would be, you know, that you'd split it up geographically into where different catchments were. Oh, right. right. So this is just of Sydney, right? You're mm. not talking about Newcastle here. No, no. Central New, Coast. New, so Newcastle, obviously, yeah, still its own thing. But I mean, I'm just putting it out there as, mm. as a kind of harebrained scheme. Well, I've got to say, if, I think you've out Freddie. If, Freddie. But, you know, if, if, we're, if we're talking crazy ideas, if uh, if I'm a fan of those two clubs, I would rather everyone suffer, and we all have to we all have to reinvent the wheel mm. and and come at this with fresh eyes. When you, and then you would just have, you know, Western Sydney would just be one massive side, and South, uh, South Sydney would be you know, it wouldn't be the Rabbitohs anymore. It would be St George, um, and it would be uh, uh, Cronulla, and it would be South Sydney all in one team. I've got to tell you something. Mm. I don't want that. <laughs> and, and and likewise, Parramatta would be you know it wouldn't be Parramatta it would be it would be all the the combination of Parramatta, um, the old Magpies and 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 the Panthers. I mean, you you wouldn't want to do it. It doesn't make sense to do it because you just no. kill all the support in the, the you've the just city. obliterated the NRL. But if I'm a fan of um, if I'm a fan of St George or the Sharks or the Panthers and all West Tigers, I would rather see that. Then my team subsumed into a, a cross-town rival. <laughs> it's just as a nonsensical merger. It's like having I don't know Souths merge with Israel. Oh, yeah. We've got Media Watch Mario Madness. <laughs> Mate, uh, we, we're going to kick off this uh, this Media Watch Mario Madness segment by asking you about your beloved eels. Now, the Penrith Panthers... Uh, beg your pardon? Bite your tongue. Beloved eels. I meant eagles. <laughs> eagles. Eagles. <laughs> I thought I'd start off the segment by um, attributing falsely your love for clubs you hate. I thought I'd start like that. Now, your beloved eagles, mate... It's my speech impediment. Don't 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 hold that against me. I have to say the Panthers played beautifully, but the bigger question for me is this: Where the fuck was Cade Cust? Was he dropped for Dylan the douchebag Walker, or was he injured? What's going on there? He, he was he was dropped, and then Des, the piece of crap, then had the hide to imply for a moment there that Cust was injured, which is bullshit. He was not injured. 
uh, you know, because he was dropped the same day that he'd come out done an interview saying, yeah, I'm really hoping I keep my spot in the team, you know, even if it's on the bench, I'm, I just want to contribute, you know, words to that effect. And then five minutes later, hey, guess what? You're the best, you're like our best player in the team at the moment. You're dropped. This is, the, this is what's strange of a, for me. Okay, Dylan Walker comes back. He has been the incumbent six. I disagree with him being there, but, you know, that's by the by. But he didn't even make the bench. They had Lachlan Croker off the bench. Did he offend someone over there at Brookvale? Look, obviously you've got to have a famous surname or you've got to be willing to bash people of the opposite gender. It's the only way you're going to get picked. You've got to have some some sort of an in. And when you're up against two people that have those two things in their favour, you're always going to lose out, it seems. Brendan the Brave, mate, or Brendan the Light, as I now call him. Um, I'm just wondering... Is he the lightest rugby league player that's potentially ever played the game? Because at the moment, I've clocked him at about 38 kilos. I've actually seen people with advanced anorexia weigh in with a little bit more muscle mass than poor old Brendan the Light. What's your opinion there, mate? How's he going at fullback? Uh, look, I mean, he does he does okay. He does better than, than Ruben Garrick does there. So uh, I'm very concerned that Des might make the wrong decision again and decide, oh, I know what will fix all our problems. Let's put Ruben Garrick back to fullback, who was absolutely atrocious there, whereas Brendan the Brave has at least, you know, performed his duties to the best of his ability, whereas I just can't say that of Garrick. The, the problem is, Des has been making these shocking, shocking decisions for well over a year now. He, he came back to us the start of last year with much fan much fanfare and he did what he has shown is he's very good at getting blood out of a stone he's got a bunch of players there that you know apparently weren't first grade standard and he's taken people like Ruben Garrick and Moses Sully and turned them into proper first graders and that's wonderful the problem is what he what he completely lacks is the ability to recognize quality in his own club and as I said I think it was on the show last year or at some point where I was complaining about the fact that he dropped Cade Cust when he was clearly our best you know, our best option at number six. Uh, and then what happens this year, about the same time, he does it again after having left Cade on the benches, you know, just on the sidelines watching Croker and Walker suck. And then no, ma- no matter how much they suck, he still kept didn't pick Cust until Walker got injured. Do you think... It's just we're beating Des Hasler over the head with the inevitable and he just refuses to pay attention to the inevitable. And it's not just Cade Cust, that's the thing. Jorge Tafua, love him. He's an absolute top bloke, but he hasn't been a good player since round 20 of 2014. He's been absolutely terrible since then, and he's not getting any better, and he somehow still keeps getting picked. And he's in fact, has been signed again since then. And I just don't know what to say about that fact that we're wanting uh, someone who's basically a reserve-grade quality player, and we're putting him down as this manly legend because he's going to rack up two 250 games because Des will never drop him. Do you think, Mario, um, it, it, this, there may be something untoward behind the scenes that we're not aware of? Did, um, you know, Cust maybe make a pass at Hasler's wife? I mean, you know, what, what do you attribute this this um, strange decision-making to? Because at this stage, you know, Brad Parker, for example, he had he started to improve, but he was, he's never going to be a world beater. Now, I I understand that Turbo Junior and Hopper Junior are both young, and we don't want to throw them into a losing side that and have them get injured and blah blah blah. But when there's Charlie Staines of the world out there and these other other kids like Avarillo and that, these young guys just walking in and gunning it for their clubs, then why on earth can't we do the same thing with ours? I understand that. Perhaps Parker and perhaps Tafua were the better options, you know, as Des saw it. But when they're going as badly as they were last night, and make no mistake, they were atrocious. Brad Parker has done us a favour by getting injured. I'm not celebrating an injury, you know, etc. But he's done us a favour by forcing Des's hand to make a decision. I'm just worried again it'll be the wrong decision. Um, but, you know, he, he, he shouldn't have been there because... The only thing Brad Parker had going for him was one-on-one defence, and the fact is he was out of position so much that he was forcing to full out of position, and that's why tries just kept getting scored down that side last night. And by the time we you know, arrested the problem, it was too late. We were down by so much. Mate, what should the punishment be for Des Hasler? It sounds like you're quite worked up. Uh, you sound like a very angry, disgruntled Eagles fan tonight. I'm I wondering what should happen to Des Hasler. <laughs> yeah, I heard you were on the Terps last night, actually, and... Uh, you're breaking glasses around the house and glassing yourself, which is the better way to go about it. I do genuinely have multiple Band-Aids on my hands right now, so, you know, there, there may be some truth to that story. <laughs> um, 
I, I don't know the answer. I, that's my problem. I don't know the answer. The answer is that Des can't select the team. We need someone else to do it. I don't know who else, if anyone else there is better because, you know, the next option there is John, is John Cartwright. For all I know, he's involved in that and making those terrible decisions or passing on information to Des that this guy just killed at a training. Select him. I, I don't know what it is because I'm not there. But when literally even the utter morons on Facebook, most of whom genuinely are complete morons in the manly you know, Facebook page, when even they are all like, what the hell, Des, when are you going to drop Jafu or when are you going to drop Parker, when are you going to get rid of Croker and, and Walker, they can all see it and they're morons. So if they can all see it and they're all right, clearly that everybody knows it, why can't Des see it? So what we need is a Mary McGregor situation where he's to get Shane Flanagan away from the Dragons and have him selecting the team because ever since McGregor has you know, lost their duties of selecting the team, suddenly the selections that the Dragons have gotten better and their performances have gotten better. Maybe Mary is a perfectly good coach of men, just not a good selector of of talent. And yeah. that seems to be the case with Des Hasler. See where you're coming from. You need a Trent Barrett type, I think, over at Brookvale. Um, Xander, you had something to say to Mario? Yeah, no, I'm just, just uh, wondering, mate, um, over the past few weeks and probably years, um, you have made the odd comment about uh, forward passes and teams uh, some seemingly intentionally making them and, and there being a bit of an issue with, with games being lost on forward passes. I, I think there was a game against the Eels that was you know, marginally controversial a few weeks back. Um, we have come up with, with a solution we think uh, you'll, you'll quite enjoy and, and appreciate um, and, and we're willing to take it all the way to uh, the NRL head office and that is we're going to change the rule from the, the ball can't be passed out of the hands forward to... The ball can be passed forward. It's just the player has to be on side. What do you think of that? You know what? That's a better idea than Ricky Stewart's um, suggestion, which was, wasn't it one forward pass per set or one per match? <laughs> yeah, or... Gridiron pass yeah, per match. You, get, you yeah. get one forward pass a set. That's right. Yeah. yeah I, I, I like this idea, except I, don't, I feel like you know the, per, the team that that would benefit most would be the teams with the best dummy halves so right now that's definitely not me <laughs> we're, we're the opposite of a team with a good dummy half uh letting go of happy carousel will forever haunt you i think mate um look uh, for, i don't know if you guys have seen but um manly are putting in a request to the nrl to have manassi finu released to play again from the start of next year because his court case has been you know delayed due to covid so they're saying it's unfair it should have been you know sorted out by now because they're assuming he's just going to get cleared of, you know, stabbing somebody. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can tell you this. It would, uh, to have an alleged stabber, uh, a dummy half, would probably be a bit more electrifying than what you've got there at the moment. I wanted to talk uh, briefly to Murray about Sonny Bill Williams. He is the human headline. Uh, Rumours that SBW might actually be sticking around in Australia beyond 2020. There's the reports today. I want to get your opinion on this. Should Sonny Bill Williams stick around and play for a club in the next couple of years? Has he still got sure. it in him? It's too early to say. We genuinely don't know. I mean, his his half-assed efforts in Toronto, I don't honestly don't think they tell us anything. But the fact is he was a, a consummate professional when he was at the Roosters and the Bulldogs before in terms of his preparation for games and stuff. So you would assume that he's going to have two weeks of quarantine to prepare for these last four games plus finals of the season. He's going to be absolutely putting in everything he's got and, and he's only being expected to play 20 minutes since for you guys. I think he could do very well in that role. It's just all up in the air as to whether his body and his, and his heart are up to it still at that age. But if a piece of crap like Cam Smith can still be playing well at that age, then why the hell not Sonny Bill? Uh, mate, I can answer that one for you. It's because Cam Smith doesn't actually make tackles. He just kind of hangs around players who, who do tackle. That, that is true. He is the third man in on almost every tackle. He's basically the Sam Thiday of hookers. Yeah, he's the third elbow in to the windpipe, generally speaking. Yeah, on, the on, third knee to the back of someone's leg. Exactly. On Cameron Smith, though, mate, he obviously he hurt his shoulder today. It looks like your Cameron Smith voodoo doll is finally working, mate. Uh, thing is, I thought you said you were sticking all the pins in his penis, not his shoulder. Yeah, well, I don't want him to breed, so you can't really blame me for that. The last thing we want is Cameron Smith Jr. playing NRL mate, in our relationship. He's got two kids. I think you're a little bit late to the party on that one. <laughs> Yeah, but they might maybe they're crap, and you know we don't want him to have the next one that might be good. But did you did you just throw that doll out of the window? You know, thinking maybe it just doesn't work, and it just landed on its shoulder finally, and and perhaps he did the trick by doing that. Can you can you go pick it up and throw it out again? I, 
well, the problem is I live on the first, you know, I've only got a, a single story house. So I was up on the roof when I threw it today. So that might have made the difference. See, I'm not intimately familiar with the black arts, but I would have thought that sticking uh, needles in his penis, I didn't know that would have led to erectile dysfunction. I thought that that might have made his penis drop off. I know that's a nuance, but what were you hoping to achieve by the pins in the penis? Well, you see, I, I, I got some very expert um, advice from an acupuncturist who told me all the right spots to, to, to get it. So you put it in the right spot in the penis and it shoots nerves right up, to, right up your shoulder and into your head and, you know, everything goes through the penis. That would have been an unnerving question for your poor old acupuncturist, that's for sure. I think that what should... seems to be the problem? Well, I think that should be the model of the show. Everything goes through the penis. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Certainly our scripts for this show does. It comes out the anus most of the time. Mate, I want to finish on uh, hopefully what it was a positive note. Um, Indigenous round. How have you seen that so far? Obviously, this is one of the, the jewels in the crown for the NRL. They generally execute this one pretty well. I've quite enjoyed it. How have you seen it? I think the Canberra Raiders should be fined a significant amount of money. In, in my in my opinion, it's you know um, South Park. They've got that character called Token Black. In South Park. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought you said South. South. <laughs> <laughs> is the Token Black of of the Indigenous jerseys when everyone else put made such great efforts. Yeah. You know, some better than others, but they're all obviously they've put a, a lot of thought and effort and, and, and emotion into it in a lot of cases. And the Canberra Raiders just took a big fat dump on the indigenous jerseys and smeared them around the, the, uh, the sleeves and said, Here you go, here's a design for you. Do you know what it reminds me of, Mario? You know, when you've got the big like ads and at the very bottom it says, you know, gamble responsibly for a sporting company. I feel like they've done that approach to the Indigenous round, it's like you have to, you blink and you miss it. Mm. You know, their core branding seems to be the most important thing. Um, but apart from the Canberra Raiders jersey, mate, has it been positive for you? Oh, yeah. Look, absolutely. I mean, it, it, sporting results have absolutely sucked this round because the 76ers lost the, and the Manly lost, so fuck sport. But in terms of the actual jerseys, I think it's been a really good initiative. I've seen less racism online than I expected. From this sort of stuff, I expected a lot more. You didn't check Mark Latham's. You didn't check Mark Latham's account. Then I take it. Oh, I don't have him blocked, but I do have him muted. So that is why. <laughs> Wise, sound advice. Um, no, I agree with you, Mario. It's great to see all the players uh, taking to the concept and supporting the round. And a big shout out to Sean Kepi for blacking up and running out as Arthur Beatson last match. Really getting into the spirit. That has been. I don't know if you guys saw, but in the um. In the basketball that just started this week on Thursday, no, Friday it started, um, the NBA started back up and every single team has, um, they've all been taking a knee, like during, they've all been kneeling during the anthem and all like completely united behind Black Lives Matter. Um, and and the NBA itself, they, every every club, like all the players have gotten together to agree on messages that they have on their shoes, on their back, on their jerseys and that sort of stuff. And it's absolutely glorious just watching the triggering in the comments on Facebook in the NBA pages. Because <laughs> at the best oh. of times, you'll see these absolute geniuses, you know, whinging and whining about the, the 76ers doing anything positive towards Black Lives Matters, And then usually 50 people shouting them down as, you know, fuck off racist bigot scum. But yeah, it's been even more so this round. They see anyone that says anything and they're getting shot the hell down. So frankly, you know, they say that we're not supposed to... Um, you know, you're not supposed to insult the, the, the bloody white supremacists because that just makes them win. Nah, fuck that. They're Nazi scum and they're getting told that and they're shutting the fuck up and I like it. Who says don't insult a Nazi? That sounds like bad advice. That's the popular thing these <laughs> days is, oh, you're letting them win. but when you Don't talk them. down to the Nazi, the Nazi morons. Yeah, I've seen that too. You know, you, actually, it's funnily, funnily enough, that's kind of the point that South Park made is that by, by belittling them, you just make them dig in, which psychologically is true. But still, you know, they're stupid. Yeah, the problem is to me that being being this way, that way inclined has sort of become cool in America or, or at least less of a taboo. So even though, yeah, they might get insulted by the slight majority of people, there's so many people defending them that they feel justified in those thoughts. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. And I think it needs to get back to the stage where anyone says anything pro-Nazi that everybody shouts them down so much that they don't feel comfortable saying it. And then in time, they don't feel comfortable thinking it. 
You know, it's just amazing our strike rate of how many of our segments end with a sort of critique of Nazism. It's amazing. Godwin's Law, Xander, as we know. Media Watch Mario, mate, thank you very much for joining us. We hope your uh, abduction of Des Hasler's kids goes smoothly next week. Thank you for joining the Voluntary Tackle. And I just need to finish by saying, buck the Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much, Voluntary Tacklers, for listening for another week. A big shout-out to our sister podcasts, Sports Best Friends and The Front Office. I say sisters, we're more of an illegitimate cousin of those shows, to be honest. Just hanging around their family homes, hoping to be accepted. Even though deep down we know we're not blood relatives and we'll never be loved as much. Anyway, until next time, just Google the name Willie Mason. We've noticed the second result is Willie Mason Teak. Just something to think about. Catch you next show. That's right, voluntary tacklers. We're not going anywhere just yet because uh, something we haven't done in quite a while is the voluntary tackle mascot war. Xander, I have just scribbled down manically on a piece of paper who I think uh, my team is. Have you already organised yours? I, I, I'll have it ready by the time we uh, we uh, count to three, I'm sure. Okay, I'm just... well, that's right now, mate. So <laughs> fucking hop to it because we're not very organised here on the show. Count to three. One, two, three. What's yours? Hoods. Hoods. The Nottingham Hoods from the English Basketball League. Okay, excellent. I, I have so many questions because that just drew a blank face. Uh, mine is the Newcastle Manshakes. Uh, we're talking Manshakes, obviously. Big shout out to just, Adam McDougall. Just continuing with our theme of me picking a real team and you just making one the fuck up. <laughs> of course, mate. This, <laughs> this is what the mascot war is all about. So tell me about who, tell me about the Hoods because I don't know anything about them. Is it anything to do with Robin Hood? Well, they're, they're from Nottingham, so I'm assuming that it's, it's it a Robin like Hood that. reference. Uh, the, the the problem is I'm not unusual sure. coincidence. <laughs> the problem is I'm not sure if it's um, a reference to Robin Hood or if it's just you know like a hoodie. Well, that'll be maybe, a, more maybe. of a letdown if yeah. it's just a fucking hoodie, wouldn't it? So I assume that uh, your mascot, its big weapon, would be stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. I don't know how that services you in a mascot war, but we'll find out because you're going to take on what is effectively a man-sized man shake. Okay, so I've got legs and arms, but my body is made of Adam McDougall's um, really spurious ingredienteded man shake, which we, as we already said, is full of bone broth, uh, eye of newt, and possibly anabolic steroids. How would a uh, Robin Hood type character take that down? Probably with an arrow to the face. <laughs>